Welcome to Hard Pressed Hope. I'm Kate. And I'm Catherine. Thanks for listening. All right, let's get this show on the road. But before we do, critical <laughs> update. <laughs> it's about our music. <laughs> yeah, again, from Missouri, line dancing and square dancing. I talked to Jeff because I was very concerned. And he grew up in a town of 98. Mind you, I grew up in a suburb of St. Louis, so a very fairly metropolitan area. Jeff did not learn how to line <laughs> and square dance. Just you. Again, it's just, just you. Just that. me. Just my PE teacher had a fixation with well, that. Well, carry that. Carry that torch <laughs> along. Here we are. So the crisis continues. But what are we? What are we talking about today, Kate? Ah, today we are talking about waiting. Wait for it. Waiting. Yeah, good. Great joke. I love it. (laughs) We're all familiar with it, right? After the last uh, year that we've had of waiting in the unknown. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just in general, whether we're waiting for like little kids to put on their shoes, waiting for a new skill. Um, In our worlds, there's a lot of waiting with foster care, with placement, matching, with paperwork, Mm -hmm. with things that feel very out of our control for issues and children that we care very much about. With other people. Other people making decisions. Mm -hmm. That's a – there's only so much you can do and then there's – waiting and sometimes it's hurry up and wait and that feels frustrating at times it's a tension of where things are right now and where they could be where we hope they are and it's mm-hmm. it's navigating that uncomfortable piece mm-hmm. i think our experiences with foster care and adoption have probably made us um pretty experienced at waiting <laughs> yeah. we do it frequently yeah. not that we're good well, at it yeah you know, we're not good at it not experts but we We've done it. We've both done it a lot. But I think really what I want to do today, Kate, is talk about a really tangible kind of snapshot of waiting that I can look back on. And maybe it didn't hold a lot of meaning at the time, but I think there's value in taking a confined experience where I can look at like, this was one day I had to wait very tangibly and sit and then learn from that you know, take pieces out of that and broaden it. Yeah, well, it. they say they say hindsight's twenty twenty, right? right? So tell, right. tell us what you learned in that uncomfortable experience of waiting. Do you have a specific aesthetic? Yes. So we're going to travel to pre-COVID land, all right? So right before the pandemic started, February of 2020. I'm going to set the scene a little bit so we know how chaotic I felt, both externally and internally <laughs> at this time. Um, so I had had a baby the first week of February. His name is Christian. Um, and then we have a, had a foster son at the time who is just over two years old. We'll call him C. And so a week after Christian was born, C had an eye surgery, um, major mm-hmm. eye surgery a couple hours away. And then a week after that, he has, of course, an eye follow-up, a post-op follow-up. Can we can we talk about how long these eye appointments are, by the way? They are so long. It's so much. It's, you, don't, you just don't know. Like They're like, come on in for like some an eye exam. And you're like, sure, yeah, right. we got to do that. So you do it like four months after you're supposed to. And we then, have, Kate, we have learned between the two of us, we have, we have a lot of ocular knowledge, don't we? <laughs> about knowledge. We've got a lot of experience waiting in the waiting room. Yes. <laughs> they put these drops in and then they're like, go wait for like 45 minutes right, out there. Right, right. But don't touch anything. So, because I it's just, COVID. It's a lot. <laughs> we, we, me and the two kids, the toddler and the baby, spent the night with my parents because they're much closer to the eye appointment. And another day, we can talk about the villages that are required to raise children. But like, add on top of that, 
foster care and adoption, like how those villages have to step up in times like that is amazing. And my gratefulness for that is, I cannot even put into words. We will put that on a podcast titled Grateful. Yes, that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. So, but it was just like, I just want you to get the feeling that this is like a hurry up and wait type of day. So first thing in the morning, I had forgotten the stroller because this is the first time we're going out with the baby. Um, So we use my mom's stroller, which is not compatible with the car seat and the car Ah, seat at one point flies off the stroller upside down, but he's strapped in and that's what car seats are for. And he was totally fine. And we made a recovery and it was fine. And this is third baby. Can you tell (laughs) us? (laughs) Totally fine. Appointment went well. You know, everything went well. But we had to be at a court date for our foster care case back home two hours away at 1 p.m. So Mm. basically, we book it from the appointment to the courthouse. Already chaotic. Right. Just shoveling Chick-fil-A. We all know that hustle. Yeah. So when, when you walk into our courthouse, okay, you go through security. I was not allowed to bring my diaper bag even. You can't bring phones into the courthouse. They literally okay. cannot enter the courthouse. So phone that is out sense. in the car, right? Okay. <laughs> phone is out in the car. Um, the security guard was kind enough for me to leave my diaper bag at security so I could run downstairs if I needed anything out of it without having to run out to my car. Okay, but, so that doesn't make sense. <laughs> But I was able to take diapers and wipes with me upstairs. So you walk inside the courthouse, you go up these stairs, um, and there's a balcony that basically lines the second floor of... Oh, inside, like an inside balcony. Yes, of the courthouse. So mind you, I have just like, basically, my heart is racing this whole day because I know we have to get from one place to the other. Oh, we all know those days. already anxiety building about the court hearing and all of that. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm already hot and hormonal, all the things. Okay. I have to nurse the baby once we get there. And like, I love that you're holding a diaper. And yeah. Like, oh, I was like, okay. <laughs> diaper, all right. water, keys, all the things. <laughs> um, so it's hot. Okay. It's February in Missouri. They have the heat on. There's no fans. It's hot. How many and, people are up there? Is it like pretty crowded? Or? Um, there was, there's typically a docket of, uh, you know, 20 to 25 cases. So that can, that can be, a hundred plus people, depending on how many people are there for each case. Why are you, are you all there at once? We're all there at once. We have to get there at 1 p.m. and you don't know when you're up. You're up at one or you're up at oh, four or five, okay. depending on how long. So it's and like, do you see your name on a list? Or no, just like you do waiting? not. You just wait. Until your name is called. You just wait. Mm-hmm. That sounds like an intense waiting game. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, and it's, it's intense for that reason, Kate, but also if you think about the layered relationships that are in that oh, yeah. waiting hall. Oh, I'm sure you have like you oh, have bio so parents and foster parents, attorneys, social yeah. workers. Yeah. Who else is so, there? I mean, are kids and, there too? Um, some kids are there, yes. This yeah. day I was able to drop my mom and see off at my house. Um, so okay. it was just me and baby, but still it was a lot. And so I sat with bio mom and, you know, we chatted in and out, but a lot of it is like you hear the door open and you're just, you don't really get into any sort of meaningful mm-hmm. conversation because mm-hmm. you're just, you're waiting, you're waiting and then you're interrupted. 
and then you're mm-hmm. waiting again. Or, you know, we had our caseworker walk by and the JO, the juvenile officer walk by, the guardian ad litem spoke with us and they were, oh, you had the baby, so nice. And we were like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, mom goes downstairs. It's that to- waiting that seems like insignificant and you have to do it. Yeah. You right, know, like right. there's no, there's no way to get from point A to point B without doing that. So, yeah. okay, continue. With so you're sweating, all there. With sweating the- through my clothes. I'm stripping clothes off the baby because it's that hot yeah. in there. At one point, the other judge from the other courtroom brought a case of water bottles and just like dropped it and was like, here. And they were gone, <laughs> gone <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely just a, a hurry up and wait type of day. Okay. How long did you wait? Um, we waited four to five hours that day. We were last on the docket, um, which seemed to be the case for us for some reason. Um, so we were used to it by that point. We had had a, a few court dates for this case. And it, we go in. We finally get called. I, we were, I think we were second to last on the docket maybe that day. And we go in. And the judge says, well... If I had known you'd had a baby out there, we would have put it you first on the docket. Just let me know next time. <laughs> and I was like, okay, thank, thank okay. you. <laughs> Good to know. Like, just exhausted. Thank, thank you. And then um, we proceed with the hearing, and it was an... Okay, everybody, keep doing what you're doing. Sounds good. See you later. <laughs> Have a great Tuesday night. A non-decision. A non-decision. And hearing. we all went home. But, you know, so it's, it's a long day. Yeah. <laughs> what was your takeaway from that? So, like I said at the time, not a lot. You know, I just kind of walked away without giving any of it much thought. But now that I look back on it, um, had I sought out the judge, I talked to the J.O., the guardian ad litem, the caseworker, they all knew I had a baby. They cared and they were encouraging and it was nice to talk to them. But I I didn't make a specific request that day. But had I said, hey, uh, could you mention to the judge? That yeah, have right. A- if you had made a request to the judge directly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. The, he had the power. He was the one that had the power to lighten your load right. a little bit. Right. And I think that's so true of us for w- with God in the waiting that he never really, he, he doesn't promise to change outcomes or to make the waiting stop. Or push us ahead or... Yeah, there's none of that. But he does promise to lighten the load and strengthen us. Or better yet, like he he encourages us to rely on his strength. Right. And that's what we need to get through this waiting, especially when it's so, so frustrating. And right. How do you how do you think we draw upon God's strength? Oh, it's I mean, it's so tough. I think that a couple things that I have learned is, especially when I'm waiting on behalf of someone else or waiting for an injustice to be righted, a perceived injustice or a real injustice to be righted, mm-hmm. I, that's when I it's difficult for me. Even though you know there's due process, it's just hard. How do we draw upon God's strength? I think one one thing is, is to do all we can and to know when we have done all that we could do, mm-hmm. right? And so I think like we constantly press forward in all the ways that we can. And that's what's being an advocate is. That's what being a mom is. That's what's like striving and walking on the road, you know, all the verbs, right? Like Mm -hmm. 
calling and pushing and praying and seeking and listening and asking and, you know, all those things. It's important to go as far as we can with what we have and then to also know when things are out of our control and to just kind of rest in the waiting. In the times that I've waited in important decisions in my life, I am incredibly frustrated about how split I feel. Like on one hand, I know, like I, I know that this is the process, but especially when I'm, I'm waiting for something on behalf of a child, I feel crazy. My maternal instinct just goes haywire Mm -hmm. to make it right Mm -hmm. and make it right. And so in that time, like how do you settle into a waiting during a time of injustice or perceived injustice? And I think just constantly turning it over to God Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the idea of like, you know, like offering it to him to show us how that the the waiting can be a time. Right. And you know, you, you were somebody who taught me how to do that really well. I think during the time I I was a foster parent to see you were walking through adopting Jan. And we talked about over and over these mantras of these times where either one of us kind of wanted to grab control of a situation. Mm-hmm. You would remind me, God has them and always has them and has proven that to us over and over and over again. Yeah. So I think that was my mantra to get through that time was, was, um, he's already there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely. Now, um, are we making the most of what's right in front of us? Sometimes we can have our eye on the ball like so far away, right? I have a kid that's just like dying for the the next thing. They could like have an ice cream cone on a Ferris wheel and be like and, – and be asking what's next. It's like yeah. never enough. And then I have mm-hmm. another kid that's totally in the moment. He's like 100%. He, time, mm-hmm. does, time means nothing to him. And whatever he – I mean it really doesn't. He has no concept of, of – time like we do mm-hmm. and he's so in the moment and he he makes the most of everything he's doing because he's like right present and right. i think of you in your story were you like anticipating were you there yeah Where i mean you? i think i think i could have been more actively waiting you know i was sitting next to bio mom and bio grandma and i wasn't you know, I wasn't disgruntled or unhappy or impatient by any means. Um, but, you know, we had small talk. And I feel like that time period could have held more meaning had I been making the most of what was right in front of me, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've heard it said that, um, and I wish I knew who to credit it to, but the only things we can control when we wait is how we wait and who mm-hmm. we become along the way. Mm-hmm. And I hope that waiting has us become um, more patient, more insightful, (laughs) Mm -hmm. more curious, you know, that we use our waiting time wisely, which is really hard to do. You know, one, t- one thing that we talk a lot about is like we're waiting for something to end or something to begin. And that's true to a degree. But if we commit to spending our lives if, as if everything's in the middle, kind of like we talked about last time, it changes how we wait because we're understanding that it is a part of the process. It's not delaying something, yes, but it's yes. just along the way. And if we can really settle into that waiting, I think it will serve us. And we can serve others better in the long run. You know, our culture, I think the mentality when we have to wait is to just get through it. 
right? Like that's mm, what we're yeah, told absolutely. over and like, you'll just get through this time. And you know, when we're the ones making a decision that we have to make a decision this way or that way. And I really think that those mentalities of just getting through it or making this decision or that decision, we miss what is happening now. And what we're really asked to do, you and I in our faith, what we're really asked to do is just walk forward on the road that we are on in the most productive way we can, right? By learning from it, by being refined and sharpened by it, and by finding joy in it. Find joy in that we can grow from it. Like, that that's my joy. When I go through trials, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to come out of the other side of this stronger. That's... That's where I that think lies. that's awesome. I <laughs> I don't find personal growth very joyful. I'm always like I'm the one like trudging through it. Like I guess we'll grow. <laughs> we'll work on it, Kate. We'll work on it. Okay, but I seriously am going to end with this to encourage those of you who are in waiting, who are in tension right now. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. May you guys know you are not alone in your waiting. May you find joy in the now, for from him and through him and to him are all things. If this episode made you think of anyone, we'd love if you'd share it, pass it along. We want to make sure that we're reaching out to those that could use this encouragement today. Thanks again. That's it for our second episode. Stay hopeful.